Well, greetings. I hope you're doing well on this Sunday. Um, today, we're talking about a story that's both in Kings and Chronicles about King Jehoshaphat and King Ahab. They actually had a marriage alliance, as we'll read about. And I'm going to read, this is found in 1 Kings 22, but I'm going to read it out of 2 Chronicles 18. 2 Chronicles 18, it's the same story. A few details are different, but it's the same story. So this is 2 Chronicles um, 18, verse 1. Now Jehoshaphat had great riches and honor, and he made a marriage alliance with Ahab. After some years he went down to Ahab in Samaria, and Ahab killed an abundance of sheep and ox, oxen for him and for the people who were with him, and induced him to go up against Ramoth-Gilead. Ahab, king of Israel, said to Jehoshaphat, king of Judah, Will you go with me to Ramoth-Gilead? He answered him, I am as you are, my people as your people. Will you be? We will be with you in war. And Jehoshaphat said to the king of Israel, Inquire first for the word of the Lord. Then the king of Israel gathered all the prophets together, four hundred men, and said to them, Shall we go to battle against Ramoth Gilead, or shall I refrain? And they said, Go up, for God will give it into the hand of the king. But Jehoshaphat said, Is there not here another prophet of the Lord of whom we may inquire? And the king of Israel said to Jehoshaphat, There is yet one man by whom we may inquire of the Lord, Micaiah, the son of Imlah. But I hate him, for he never prophesies good concerning me, but always evil. And Jehoshaphat said, Let not the king say so. Then the king of Israel summoned an officer and said, Bring quickly Micaiah the son of Imlah. Now the king of Israel and Jehoshaphat the king of Judah were sitting on their thrones arrayed in their robes, and they were sitting at the threshing floor at the entrance of the gate of Samaria. And all the prophets were prophesying before him. And Zedekiah the son of Shanah made for himself horns of iron and said, Thus says the Lord, With these you shall push the Syrians until they are destroyed. And all the prophets prophesied so and said, Go up to Ramoth Gilead in triumph. The Lord will give it into the hand of the king. And the messenger who went to summon Micaiah said to him, Behold, the words of the prophets with one accord are favorable to the king. Let your word be like the word of one of them to speak favorably. But Micaiah said, As the Lord lives, what my God says, that I will speak. And when he had come to the king, the king said to him, Micaiah, shall we go up to Ramoth Gilead to battle, or shall we refrain? And he said, Go up and triumph, for they will be given into your hand. Obviously with some sarcasm. But the king said to him, How many times shall I make you swear that you speak to me nothing but the truth in the name of the Lord? And he said, I saw all Israel scattered on the mountains as sheep that have no shepherd. And the Lord said, These have no master. Let each return to his home in peace. And the king of Israel said to Jehoshaphat, Did I not tell you that he would not prophesy good concerning me but evil? 
And Micaiah said, Therefore hear the word of the Lord. I saw the Lord sitting on his throne, and all the host of heaven standing on the right hand and on his left. And the Lord said, Who will entice Ahab, the king of Israel, that he may go up and fall at Ramoth Gilead? And one said one thing, and another said another. Then a spirit came forward and stood before the Lord, saying, I will entice him. And the Lord said to him, By what means? And he said, I will go out and will be a lying spirit in the mouth of all his prophets. And he said, You are to entice him, and you shall succeed. Go out and do so. Now therefore, behold, the Lord has put a lying spirit in the mouth of these your prophets. The Lord has declared disaster concerning you. And that's all the way through verse 22. I know it's a lot. And that's actually not the end of the story. Because it goes on and into the battle and Ahab's death. But I want to stop there and go back and think about what is happening in this story. We have King Ahab. He has a marriage alignment uh, alliance with King Jehoshaphat, unfortunately. And it was a sad, sad state of affairs that the king, King Jehoshaphat, made this decision. He made a marriage alliance. Basically, Ahab's daughter married his son. And this has disastrous consequences, not just in this battle, because the king of Judah almost lost his life, but he didn't. He didn't. God saved him. But later on, you'll see the Davidic dynasty is almost destroyed, destroyed by Ahab's daughter who marries his son. So that decision had disastrous consequences. But as we look at this story, and that's at the very beginning, it's before this story. He's already made this alliance. As Ahab is talking to him, trying to convince him, he says, of course, you know, we have an alliance. My people are your people. And he goes in to this war. It's a mistake, but he goes into this war because he has an obligation, right? He's made an alliance. He has an obligation now to Ahab. And if you look, if you keep reading all the way over in chapter 19... Verse 2, and it's after the whole story is over, after Jehoshaphat does escape with his life, there's a prophet, let me find it here, I believe it's verse 2, yeah, it's the prophet Jehu, but Jehu, the son of Haniah, the seer, went out to meet him and said to King Jehoshaphat, should you help the wicked and love those who hate the Lord? And he continues on and says that there's going to be some consequences. And there were. There were consequences. Now let's get back to the story. Let's get back to the story of King Ahab going to war with King Jehoshaphat. You notice in verse 4 what happens. What is King Jehoshaphat, who is a good king? He made some mistakes, obviously, but he was a good king. He was a godly king. He was a reforming king, but he has this alliance with King Ahab. But what does he say? Inquire first of the Lord. And I want to stop there and ask the question. He's asking to inquire of the Lord, but is he asking we need to get confirmation or we need to get direction? And we'll come back to that later. Confirmation or direction? But he asked the question, inquire first of the Lord. So what does Ahab do? He goes and he gets all his prophets, right? His government-approved prophets. He brings them in. There's 400 of them and says, shall we go up or shall we refrain, right? And of course, what do they say? Go, go up. God is going to give you success. God is going to give this into the hand of the king. They had no idea what they were talking about. 
And that's the danger of government-approved yes-men, government-approved prophets who are going to say, absolutely, no matter what the king says, that's what we're going to do. We approve it. God said you're, you're going to have success. And see, there's a danger. These are false prophets. 400 of them. So Ahab brings the prophets out. Oh, you want some prophets? You want to inquire of the Lord? Here you go. And what do they say? Go up. You're going to have success. But how does Jehoshaphat respond? He says, is there not another prophet of the Lord? And on the story goes, there is another prophet. Ahab does not like him because he always tells him the truth, which is usually not good for Ahab because Ahab is a wicked and rebellious king. And he hates this prophet, Micaiah. But even so, Micaiah finally comes on the scene. But not before, not before the kings are sitting on their thrones, listening to all the prophesying of all the prophets saying, go up. You're going to have success. God is with you. God is going to give this into the hand of the king. When you look at this story, there's actually a parallel. The parallel is with the false prophets. You first have the inquiry. They ask, are we going to have success? Should we go up? Then you have the approval. Yes, of course. Then you have the dissatisfaction, meaning Jehoshaphat's questioning these prophets. And then you have the hated prophet, and then you have the throne scene. Well, all that repeats with Micaiah, the true prophet. That whole process repeats. The inquiry, the approval, the dissatisfaction, and with Micaiah, the dissatisfaction is with King Ahab. The hated prophet or hated message. And then you have another throne scene. Another throne scene, but it's a heavenly throne scene. So you have this parallel with the yes men, the false prophets, and then the true prophet. So as we get into this, Micaiah comes on the scene. And it's very interesting. What does Ahab tell the prophet when he first, you know, acts like another yes man? He just sarcastically, or by some means, uh, says, yes, go up. You're going to have success. Go up. And what, what does Ahab tell him? This is about verse 15. The king says, how many times shall I swear that you speak to me nothing but the truth in the name of the Lord? And that's a very interesting statement. Obviously, they had gone through this charade before with Micaiah the prophet. Obviously, he had gone through this before. But listen to what Ahab's saying. He's saying, you're not telling me the truth. Well, if he's not telling him the truth, that means his false prophets are lying See, at the very end where it talks about where the Lord talks about sending out um, the spirit, right? To entice him, to entice the king. See, God really lays it out plain. He tells him exactly what's going to happen. He's telling him these prophets are lying to you. And the king himself even says when, when the true prophet sarcastically or however he said this to make him know that he didn't really mean it, says... You need to speak the truth. Well, that reveals that the king knew. The king knew what his prophets were, his false prophets were. He knew that wasn't the truth. So he doesn't really have an excuse. It's a very interesting statement that he makes. Obedience to the word of God is very, very important. That's not something Ahab was willing to do. So as we read on, 
Man comes forth and gives the word. Of course, it's not a good word. <laughs> it's not a good word for the king, for King Ahab. And the striking thing about all of it is they still go. <laughs> they still go to the battle. It makes you wonder. Now, this is at the end of Ahab's life. He's been in rebellion against God for a long, long time. It's the very end of his life. It makes you wonder, though. When God constantly gives us the truth and we refuse to obey, there are consequences. <laughs> there are going to be consequences. So, let's go back to the story as a whole. The king wanted to go to war, right? He convinces the king of Judah, Jehoshaphat, to join him. Jehoshaphat wants to get counsel. And again, I ask the question, was it confirmation or direction? Ahab complies with government-approved yes-men. Because Ahab no longer will hear what God has to say. So we go through this charade with these compromised prophets, giving their stamp of approval on the mission of the king, what the king has decided, not what God has decided, what the king has decided. And then Micaiah comes on the scene, largely because of Jehoshaphat, and he tells a completely different story. He basically tells Ahab, you're going to die. This is going to be the end of you. The true prophet apparently was the only one who really understood his role and the importance of the word of God. Not something that can be manipulated or twisted or used for our own ambitions or purposes, but something to be submitted to and obey. And apparently the true prophet was the only one there that understood that about the word of the Lord and about obedience to, the, to, the, to God Almighty and what he says. Not obeying the king, but obeying God. Neither king. Now, Jehoshaphat was a good king. He was a godly king. But he continues on. Even after this word is given, he, can, he goes into battle with him. And he almost loses his life. If you, I'm not going to read the rest of it. He's continue, he almost loses his life. Because Ahab goes into battle and disguises himself. So they think Jehoshaphat is the king of Israel when he's not. God saves his life. But even Jehoshaphat doesn't listen to the prophet because of his obligation, because he's made an alliance with wickedness, which he should not have done. Nonetheless, Jehoshaphat does come out of that, but Ahab absolutely does not. With all the pomp of royalty, remember the throne scene at the beginning? The pomp of royalty and the royal prophets? God had something different in mind. There are consequences coming to the wicked king and kingdom of Ahab. Oftentimes when we speak the truth, no one wants to hear it. Sometimes kings and those in authority, they just want to do whatever they want. They just want a stamp of approval. That's all they want. They don't really want to know what God says because they're in rebellion against him. They just want a stamp of of approval. But notice, notice, you cannot accuse God of deception. See, sometimes people get confused because the words that are used when Micaiah talks about his throne scene, the heavenly throne scene, about who's going to entice Ahab, right? But God is very plain because he clearly tells him through Micaiah, 
Your prophets are lying to you. He's telling him plainly. There is no deception on the part of God in this passage. He tells Ahab plainly, and just like Ahab always does, or seems to do in most circumstances, is he rebels and he doesn't listen. The prophet told him, they're lying. They're lying to you. But he did not listen. It's a wonder Jehoshaphat didn't listen, but he doesn't either, and he continues in the foolish endeavor. Now, we can listen to God and obey, or... Or we can face the consequences. Now, I know that's very simplistic, very simple, but the truth is, if we're Christians, if we know God, that really is how simple it is. We're either going to obey Him, we're going to obey His Word, or we're going to face the consequences. There's blessing in obedience. Great blessing in obedience. We don't have to disguise ourselves and hide like Ahab did when he went to battle. See, he heard the message, but instead of refraining and not going... He disguised himself. Well, that didn't work because an arrow struck him and he died. Obedience is a very, very powerful tool in God's kingdom. It is actually required of the Christian. If you're going to have in a love relationship with Jesus Christ, you're going to listen to him, listen to his word, and you're going to obey. Here's a few lessons we can take away from this story. There's many. Here's a few that I've identified. Number one, God is powerful and he is sovereign. He is in charge. He is in control, not us. We don't get to manipulate things and have yes men, yes prophets, people to stamp their approval. Well, God said you're going to be successful. We don't get to do that without there being severe consequences. God is in charge. He is powerful and he is sovereign. His word may catch us if we continually disobey, if we're continually in rebellion, eventually his word is going to catch up to us. Eventually it will, and it caught up to Ahab, most definitely. Number three, there are consequences for leading a nation. Ahab was the king of Israel, leading a nation into sin and iniquity, and that's exactly what he did through his marriage to Jezebel, through the worship of Baal, the murder of Naboth, as well as many other things that he did totally against God in rebellion against God, leading his nation into idolatry and worshiping Baal. There are consequences for doing that when you're in a high position. There are consequences. Number four, aligning ourselves with wickedness actually brings God against us. Now, we haven't gone heavily into that, but it is part of the story with Jehoshaphat. There are severe consequences for this marriage alliance. There are consequences for him aligning himself with wickedness. Now, I'm sure he did it for very good reasons, probably economic or political reasons. You have the North and the South Kingdom, you know, for peace. But it was a mistake and it had severe consequences. See, when we do that, when we align ourselves with wickedness and the wrong people, We actually empower their abuse. We empower the darkness that is manifesting through them. You don't want to ever align yourself with people that are clearly in rebellion against God. There are consequences for doing that. Number five, God is a God of justice. God is justice. He is the final word, the final say. Not a king, not a political leader, not a business leader. 
doesn't matter who it is. God has the final say, and he's a God of justice. And you see that he's actually bringing to an end, unfortunately, unfortunately, he's bringing to an end the life of this king, King Ahab. And as you continue in the story, Jehu, Jehu, the, the king, the one that becomes king, is not too far behind this, where you see an absolute total destruction of Ahab and his descendants. God is a God of justice. He is a God of justice. And he does, he does judge. And he definitely judged Ahab for his rebellion and his wickedness. Number six, there's a big difference between seeking confirmation or direction from God. See in the story, you know, Jehoshaphat was a good king, a godly king, but it's almost as if, you know, we're seeking confirmation. We've decided we're going to do this, God. You need to put your stamp of approval. See, we're seeking confirmation, not direction. See, the direction they got from Micaiah and they didn't listen. There's a big difference. And the difference is the difference between the false prophet and the true prophet. There's a stark difference, light and darkness. We're going to follow our own way or the way of the king, so to speak, or we're going to follow God's way. So we need to be very, very careful that we're not seeking confirmation for things we've already decided versus seeking direction from God and being pliable to his word and what he's spoken to us and obeying him. Now, this is a really important story in the Bible. It teaches us many things about leaders, but see those principles, even though these are kings, we can apply them to our own lives. We can often seek confirmation instead of direction from God. Oh, well, we need to do this. God, stamp your approval. We always want to seek his direction. And we always want to remember obedience is more important to God than sacrifice, right? We need to obey his word. We don't ever want to get to the point where we will not listen to God in his true word. His true word. This is a great story. I pray that you're encouraged. I know it doesn't seem like an encouraging story, but I pray you're encouraged because it's a lesson to show us there are consequences when we rebel against God. There's consequences when we align ourselves with wickedness. There are consequences. God is a God of justice and righteousness, and he will eventually act and come against and correct that wickedness and that darkness. So it behooves us to fall down on our face before God in repentance, giving our lives to him and obey his inerrant word. Follow the direction of God Almighty. Don't look for confirmation for what you've already decided. You follow the direction of Almighty God, what he tells you to do. Be pliable. Listen to his word. Go deep with God. Because I'm telling you, any of us, doesn't matter how good you are, any of us can end up like an Ahab or a Jehoshaphat.